Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And sometimes you just have to pitch a fit, just like I did right there at Walmart. I wasn't moving out of that line. I was pitching a fit. Right, welcome everyone to Slow Hand Presents. Uh, I don't know, Pitch Perfect, Pitch Fest, Pitch Slap, Total Pitch Fest, uh, Untitled Pitch Project is what we're going for right now. Uh, I'm joined by Jelly from Second Run Podcast. Say hello, Jelly. Hello, Jelly. All right. And we're also joined by our buddy Rob. How's it going, Rob? Hey, Trev. Nice to be on with you guys today. It is nice for all of us to be together, like the good friends we are. Uh, so this is a brand new show that we're giving a whirl, and you're listening to it right now, and you're kind of coming along on an adventure with us as we try to figure out exactly how this is going to work. But the general idea is that, you know, uh, you're not, you guys might listen to a lot of the slow hand shows, but you're not privy to all the behind-the-scenes stuff that goes on, which all I mean by that is generally a Facebook message thread that consists of 300 messages a day. But... In that message thread, the slow hand guys tend to like to, uh, you know, obviously BS about movies. And I've noticed a common thread is that we all seem to think we could make movies better than Hollywood, which I know is just kind of a common theme among movie nerds. And I just felt like it might be a good idea if we kind of put that to the test and actually start giving our own uh, elevator pitches, as it were, for some of the biggest franchises out there in Hollywood. I mean, if you're like Gus and you talk movies with your friends all the time, how many times have you sat around with your buddies and said, oh, wouldn't it be great if this happened in the next Star Wars? Or what if the next Indiana Jones was about this? Um, you know, what if what kind of Superman movie would I like to see? Well, we have those ideas, too. And so what we want to actually do is have a, a new regular show where we pick a franchise and each pitch our own uh, version of what we think the next movie in the franchise should look like. You guys have anything to add to that general idea or no? No, I think that about sums it up. I mean, this was we've been on a long road already to this to this point and we still don't really know what the show's exactly structure is going to be, but uh I don't know, it should be fun to figure it out and we'll get we'll get rolling along and I think one of the one of the other ideas we had was, you know, if you listen to Second Run or if you listen to uh If It Bleeds or if you listen to Hillbilly DVD reviews, sometimes those shows can get a little long in the tooth. Um they can run you know, two hours, three hours. Uh, the the if it bleeds, X Men Spectacular would have been like five and a half hours if it was one episode. Um, so I think what we what we all kind of agreed was, hey, what about something for people who don't want to listen to you know three hours of us? And let's try to do something. Maybe uh, since we did you know decided elevator pitches, let's do something maybe a little bit more digestible. Yeah. You know, keep it short, sweet, and just uh, get our ideas out there and then probably argue about them for a moment and make fun of each other, as always happens. Uh, I hope this works out because God knows this has been a very stressful show to try and get going for <laughs> Jelly and I. I'm just here because I was told there was cake, and to the listeners, there is none cake. Well, <laughs> sorry about the cake, but really you're here because we had a lot of other people <laughs> that were supposed to be here that we're not living up to their, uh, you know, their promises. So, hey, it is what it is, but we're glad to have a third person, a third co-host. Wow, and... I feel so welcome, Trent. <laughs> You're here because nobody else would do it. <laughs> You're here because no one else would be. Let's go. Yeah. Hey, you know what? The viewers expect honesty, and that's what I'm trying to give them. But no, I mean, I believe you're going to be a regular part of this now, and who knows, as this keeps going, hopefully we'll start getting some other voices in here, too, and getting even more pitches each episode. And uh, at a certain point, we'd actually like to open it up to the listeners, too, and you guys can actually throw us pitches uh, either for an upcoming franchise or kind of comment on one of the ones we did, and maybe we'll read some of those on the air. Because I'm sure we're not the only fools with, you know, decent ideas. And I'm and now I'm even going up, just calling them decent off, you know, we don't even know yet. But <laughs> So, uh, Jelly, what, do you want to tell us what our, our first franchise is that we're thinking of uh, doing? So or our, that we our know first we're doing? franchise... Um... 
that we're doing is one that uh, we've actually talked about already on Second Run, and one that uh, I think a lot of people would say, at least in the most recent film, has kind of lost its way and would would best be in line for some kind of a reboot, uh, some kind of reimagining of some kind, and that uh, is actually getting a fifth installment. Uh, and it's it's coming out, I believe it's coming out this year, and we've seen a trailer for it already, and it looks like... Um, Awful? It looks like... A, yeah, it, I was going to say, it looks like a clusterfuck. Uh, I've completely and, ignored it, just because the last one was so bad. I just, I, I can't even... And that is uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's own Terminator franchise. <laughs> it's it's funny that, that that franchise has become synonymous with Schwarzenegger instead of the, the man who created it, James Cameron. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. People recognize the person in front of the camera more than behind the camera. But uh, yeah, we we I think we picked this one because Genesis is coming out this year, and you know we kind of wanted to um, get as many that are coming out in the next couple years as possible before they start coming out of what we would like to see next instead of what they're doing with some of them. Um, so yeah, you know whatever you feel about the Terminator franchise as a whole, I think a lot of us would agree that the fourth one was was not good. Right. I mean, I think even and I wish I kind of wish the source was on this with us because he still likes the he like he still really cares about Terminator. But I think even he would agree that the fourth film was not good. What made it so bad? Um, Kind of everything. I mean, (laughs) it's weird because the fourth film's a really weird beast because on the surface, it's everything that a lot of the fans are always asking for, right? Like Now, I know I'm in the minority of finding of liking the third one, and I should preface that by saying, it's not like I think the third one's a good movie, but it's just a kind of a dumb, fun movie, and I enjoy it on that level. But I even I, even I, like after the third one, kept saying, you know, if, if they're going to do any more Terminator movies, the only thing we want to see at this point is forget the time travel stuff, and let's just have a movie of the actual war. And it was one of those things where you heard people saying that for a long time. You weren't sure you'd ever actually get it. And then they delivered it, but it was just dreadfully boring. I mean, Christian Bale seemed like he was phoning in his performance. The screenwriters certainly seemed like they were uh, you know, phoning it in. And I, like- I really also think it was hurt by the fact that the big twist of the film was actually spoiled you know, while they were filming it. And they clearly like quickly changed it and filmed something different. And even though that spoiled twist was really bizarre. In retrospect, it might have been just weird enough to make the movie at least somewhat worthwhile, but what they changed it to was just kind of a bland, generic ending. So what was the... I, I, I guess maybe I didn't catch that when it was happening. Okay, so the... And, the, and yeah, also I, for I, our I listeners no who maybe didn't... Yeah, Yeah. so the original ending that was leaked uh, while they were filming was that originally John Connor was going to die in the final act, and the Terminator played by Sam Worthington was actually going like he not everyone's going to know that Connor died and he was going to take Connor's skin and actually start wearing it. And the insinuation is going to be that if the series went on, then it was going to be a Terminator posing as John Connor because this, you know, he's a good Terminator and he wanted to like keep Connor's work going. Uh, so that kind of got spoiled and everyone freaked out and they were, the, the, the makers were like, no, no, that's not what we're doing. But I think when you watch the film now, you can clearly see like where that scene, where that sequence would have happened, but now instead they just have uh, the Sam Worthington Terminator give his heart to John Connor. That is really bizarre, though. <laughs> it is yeah. bizarre. Yeah. I don't know if I could have gone along for that ride. But you couldn't go along for the ride they gave you anyway. So I don't. I mean, I don't know. That's it wasn't what I'm saying. Bad. It's already bad. So why not just do something so wacky that at least you know there, you'd be like, hey, remember that weird Terminator movie that ended with him wearing John Connor's skin? You know, at least it'd be something. As is, I really don't remember much about it except for Christian Bale playing that Guns N' Roses song on a boombox at one point.
that was probably my favorite part of the movie. Um, yeah, because it is an, a cool callback to T2. Um, I think other things that didn't hit with it is if you're going to do a movie with, with John Connor in the war, I would have rather seen um, him kind of inciting the rebel like the the imp- the implication of that movie is that people have always been warring with the machines but if you go back to the original terminator there's that moment <laughs> where michael bean kyle reese tells sarah like he we were we were exterminating ourselves and we were going along with it until one man told us and taught us how to fight and taught us how to you know do and so it, it's kind of like you know the the movie kind of it didn't give us what people had always said they wanted to see, really. And then also, it it relegated John Connor. If you're going to do a movie with John Connor, it relegated him to like a secondary or tertiary even character who really had no narrative thrust in the film. And it, it was, like Trev said, it was just boring. Like, I didn't care about Sam Worthington. And the character I cared about was always getting, was always getting yelled at by his superiors, which we were given to understand that he was the leader, you know, through all the previous films. So it was just weird... It didn't. It didn't strike a chord with anyone, and it didn't work. Yeah, I agree. I think the only, now that I think about it, I do remember the one thing I did like was Anton Yelkin as as Reese. I thought he was doing a really yeah. good Michael Bean impression um, that actually really worked. But like you just said, it's kind of they already had like Worthington and and uh, Connor were clearly the two main characters, so Reese was just kind of tertiary too. And they needed to either focus on him or focus on Connor more. Uh, I think it was a big misstep thinking we would care enough about the Sam Worthington character to make him the focus. I'm more of the kind of person that goes into a movie and does his best to go along with the ride. And that movie, I mean, I wouldn't say it was, like, terribly bad, but I, I would say that I could go along with the ride. I mean, there, there are only a couple moments that really stand out to me, specifically when they take down the Hunter Killer. That was pretty cool. That was something that I'd wanted to see since uh, T2. Don't even remember that part. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. It was cool, though. <laughs> well, remember the Hunter Killer? Was it? it picks up? I don't remember who it picks up, but uh, I'm pretty sure it's Connor attacks it on the bridge with the motorcycle and he jumps on top of it. And yeah, it, was, it was pretty cool. It was pretty sick. What I distinctly remember is how great the trailer was. It's one of those films I always cite as like one of the biggest discrepancies between how awesome a trailer is and how poor the actual movie is. Um, I've actually gone back plenty of times since then we came out and rewatched the trailer and just kind of mourned what could have been it was so good but yeah the, the film itself just kind of sat there and um i really thought after that film that it, it had killed the franchise but nope here we are with you know uh, a reboot so jelly what do you think led to the reboot do you think it's just a franchise that just can't die um i think that's part of it i think you know we're in we're in a we're in franchise mode in hollywood um and it, you know that's it's, we're not in sequel mode anymore. We're in like franchise mode, building everything into a universe mode. And there is already a, a universe built for Terminator. And uh, even though it didn't last long, I think that Sarah Chronicles, Sarah Connor Chronicles show was pretty well received, if I remember correctly. I never watched it, um, but I think it, it's been kind of retroactively uh, well received, even though it didn't last very long. And so I think that the combination of that and I I I don't know for sure how much thrust he had in in getting it going but I would imagine Arnold Schwarzenegger having multiple box office flops leading into this played a factor uh he yeah. he's you know he hasn't had a box office success in a, in a long time and uh getting him into a, a role that people are familiar with and comfortable with uh you know, playing off of that and trying to get audiences to be excited about that. I, I think that's got to be a big factor in why they chose to give us a new Terminator movie starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'll be back. I'll be back. He'll be back. I'll be back. I'll be back. What? Yeah, I'd agree. So the idea of this show then is, as we said earlier, um, the way we kind of pitched it, <laughs> pitched it to ourselves when we were talking about it, was <laughs> if you haven't heard the term elevator pitch, it's the idea of if, let's say, you were stuck in an elevator with an executive and you just had that elevator ride to tell them what you think you know, a movie should be. Well, we're not exactly putting ourselves under that kind of constraint, but that's the general idea. Is I said, to, you know, when I was pitching this to everyone, I said, 
let's do a show where we take a franchise and say, what if you were called by the studio and asked to give them the idea for the next film? Uh, the rules being it can be a sequel, it can be a reboot, it can be a remake, it can be kind of anything you want it to be. It just needs to be whatever you honestly believe would make for the best and en- like next entry in the franchise. So Terminator, like you and said, you have one... to give an idea. That's you can't say you can't say nothing. Right. <laughs> and because like it's, it's <laughs> we kind of I think one of the Which one is of the reasons come into play with me at certain points. <laughs> one of the ways we pitched it to ourselves too was like just imagine you are yourself and you know Paramount drives a dump truck full of money up to your house and says we'll give you five million dollars if you give us a a new Terminator movie. Well, you're you're not gonna say no to that because you know you live in your whatever you know your your suburban middle class home you know like you're not going to say no to five million bucks so you know you have to think of something even if you absolutely don't want to see this franchise continue yep and that'll certainly come into play in later episodes where we'll definitely be dealing with franchises that we kind of want to challenge ourselves to try somewhere we don't think there should ever be another entry at all um although with terminator i think no i don't know about you guys but i feel like it's a franchise that still can be saved um I'm not sure Genesis is the film to do it from what I've seen, but I don't feel like as, as bad as, you know, or as, as dumb as three was or as bad as four was that it's completely dead at this point. I think, uh, I think Terminator specifically because you can retcon a lot through time travel loopholes. Um, I think there is a lot of really good opportunities. One specifically, the idea I have is always something that's bugged me from the second I saw the first movie. But, you know, just because of the time travel loopholes alone, you can do a lot of stuff with Terminator to fix any of the problems with, like, 3 and 4, for instance. Well, that's interesting. I agree with uh, that. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what Genesis is going for. We'll see if they, they pull it off. Um, but who would like to give their, their Terminator pitch first? Should I go first as the rookie so that we can finish strong, as you were? I don't know if we're going to uh, finish well, strong, uh, you, but you can go first. <laughs> yeah, can, I mean, I'd say you can go first since you just kind of hinted at your uh, your pitch anyway. So why don't you lay it on us? See, that's how I do. I, I gave that little like uh, sprinkle of, oh, you should check it out. And then he goes like, oh, what is it? So here we go. All right. So uh, end of Terminator. That's where we're starting for this. Um, the first. The first Terminator, yes. Okay. So uh, Sarah Connor leaves the carnage at the plant of whatever type it is that has a giant smasher in it. Um, She finally makes it home. She's distressed. Um, She is getting ready to head out onto her journey onto the open road. And uh, it's, it's just the camera's kind of following her as she, as she's going up to the front door. Uh, She's unlocking the door. She's running. She's still frazzled. You know, she's still dealing with the death of Reese and, with the uh, overcoming of this Terminator and realizing that she is the the, the mother, the savior of humankind. Um, the last shot we see of Sarah Connor is going into the to the house and just falling to her knees and weeping, and the door shuts behind her. The camera pans back on the house, or on the, it was a house, yeah. Camera pans back, keeps panning back, a foot hits the pavement. Ding, 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 ding. The T-1000 steps on the ground, Dun, 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 dun. Walks up to the door, reaches for the handle. As he reaches for the handle, a bloody hand grabs his wrist, hits him with a lead pipe, and the camera pans up to reveal that it's a, a bloodied but still living Reese, there to protect Sarah Connor again. Come with me if you want to live. Uh, the rest of the movie plays out uh, kind of in the same way that T uh, Terminator 1 played out, except with Reese using the fact that the T-1000 has been sent back to kill Reese as priority one and Sarah Connor as priority two because the Terminators know that Reese was able to stop the first one. So they send another one back to kill Reese and then kill Sarah Connor because they know that the refugees couldn't send anyone else back. And uh, so he uses this, which he finds out somewhere in the middle of the movie that the Terminator is only chasing him. He uses this to his advantage and he tries numerous things as we've seen before, I mean, this would arguably have to assume that you hadn't seen T2 or that you'd be rebooting the rest of the, the franchise. So a lot of the special effects and everything would be amped up, and you'd get a lot bigger explosions hitting the T-1000. 
and still seeing, you know, lack of damage on the T-1000. Um, but the ending would play more into the idea of as the T-1000 becomes damaged, it takes on the properties of the things it touches. Uh, and instead of using a lot like the uh, molten liquid, uh, Reese kills him by eventually just, you know, pummeling him with the grenades like... Uh, like the Terminator did in T2, and then leading him into the La Brea tar pits, where once his foot hits the tar, his body slowly starts to break down and become like the tar, where he just kind of slowly fades into the tar. Okay. So that's, I mean, there's there's a lot going on there that, um, like, how how would you handle then, um, I mean, because you're, you're picking up right at the end of Terminator 1, how would you handle... Um, recasting, you know, because we're now we're well beyond having Linda Hamilton in this movie. Um, would you have? Would you like reshoot the ending of Terminator One with a different actress? Would you smash cut into your new actress, like driving the same truck? How how would you would you replay the end of Terminator One and smash cut it? How would you how would you handle that part? Is what, kind, I think kind of what first... I mentioned was um, basically more like using a body double, not actually getting really chances to see her face because the movie itself and the story itself isn't about Sarah Connor. Okay. The idea is more Reese basically finishing the job of protecting Sarah Connor. Um, there's another idea I wanted to splice into it, but I couldn't make, couldn't have it make sense, which was an idea that, um, because of all the time hopping that's been going on through all of the Terminators and all the people coming back and forth through time, that time gets spliced. And, uh, as the movie goes on, um, just through like kind of flashes and these weird kind of like time hoppy dreams because Reese is the one person that goes back. Right. I mean, in the entire mythology, Reese is the only person that goes back. That mm-hmm. because of all the time alterations that are going on in the future, it's all filtering back to him, and so he's catching up. That's it, that was kind of my original idea as to how he would know to kill the T one thousand that way. Was that because things have already happened, and because they already know that the T one thousand's metallic properties break down after he gets pummeled enough with enough explosions, he knew to go to lead him to the La Brea tar pits where he would just naturally kind of decompose. It's actually it's actually kind of a neat idea. I kind of like the yeah. that idea of like um you know he would still kind of go back but he would know almost everything that happened in the original Terminator like it would kind of be filtered back to him like yes. and like focusing on on like you said like him having dreams or him having flashes of memory like but and a having lot- I mean, I guess there's already a lot of damage in the continuity of the series itself already, but that that alone, it, I just in my mind, I couldn't I couldn't make that that leap. I, I do kind of uh, I kind of like that idea though because uh, the the thing I like about the time idea that you're talking about is that even though this is a series that we all obviously relate to time travel and everything, the whole series is predicated on this general time travel idea that just makes no sense. The fact that somehow Kyle Reese is John Connor's father. It's just something we've all accepted and just go with, even though it just obviously when you start to think about your head, it just kind of starts to melt. But it, and so since that you're dealing with like this paradox at the beginning of it, it seems like it is something that the franchise should have dealt with more is this idea of splintered timelines. Now, you said, Rob, that you've avoided the Genesis trailer. That actually looks like kind of what the Genesis trailer is going for is kind of creating this alternate timeline that will exist alongside the other sequels. Oh, really? But I, but I still kind of like that idea. Um, you know, obviously, we asked about recasting uh, Sarah. You're clearly planning to recast Kyle Reese then as well. Of course, yeah. Yeah. And I just could not think of a good actor really to play him. Um, I would definitely, it, it would just be my rule of thumb, to always go over talent more than looks. I feel like a lot of times people, like the guy who got cast to play John Connor in part three, I mean, he just, uh, Nick Stahl, I just don't, mm-hmm. you know, he just didn't seem talented. It didn't seem like he emoted well, oh, whatever I, I liked he him. had to emote. I actually liked him as Connor. To date, he's my favorite John Connor. Oh, really? Better than Eddie Furlong? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean. <laughs> no, don't do it. Please, don't go. I order you not to go. I order you not to go. 
Oh, you guys don't like Eddie Furlong. I, I mean, it. I've watched a lot of Eddie Furlong movies. But that's because I'm stupid. <laughs> I've only seen one. <laughs> oh. Uh, so, um, so Jill, you want me to go next since I feel like yours might be more of a little. I think mine's probably closer to what Rob's is than yours. It will be perhaps. Pro- it, it, if you're saying it is at all, then then it probably is. <laughs> yeah. So my idea, I'll just say right off the top, is just a complete reboot. I'm wiping away all previous continuity. I just feel like it has to go. One of the things I'm worried about Genesis is this idea that they're kind of taking the route of the Star Trek reboot and trying to create this alternate timeline, but at the same time, not disregard the previous timelines. And we we also saw that with like the recent X-Men film. And even though I liked both of those films, I just don't want every franchise to do that now. And I feel like it's best for Terminator to just kind of start fresh. I know a lot of people prefer what the first film was, just this idea of a singular robot trying to track someone down in the present day. And I also know there's still people like me who think there's something to be shown with the future war. So I decided to come up with an idea that would combine the both of them. So one of the things my film is going to do right off the bat is going to piss off a lot of old school Terminator fans. But again, like I said, I'm just starting fresh. So the film opens in the present day and we meet the Connor family. This is a young John, very young, his mom, Sarah, and his father, who in this will just be some other Connor. It will not be Kyle Reese. We learned that his father is actually someone who works for Skynet and is part of the part of the team developing Skynet. So this will be an opening scene where you just kind of meet the family, and the reveal at the end will be that the father works for Skynet. So it'll kind of start like, okay, we're meeting the Connors, then he goes to work, and you see where he's at. Smash forward way into the future, and we now pick up with the war. Uh, John is obviously older now, and the war has been raging for years. And we actually learned that humans have almost won. And it's been a long battle. We get a sense that most of the Earth's population has been decimated. But they're finally on the verge of victory. We basically get, I don't know, a 30 to 40 minute you know, war movie at this point. Showing their preparations for the final battle. And that final battle. Which they win. And the small team that's left that wins this battle is consists of John... Uh, Kyle, it can either be Kyle Reese or it can kind of be a new character and a couple others. But as they're kind of celebrating the victory, someone yells and says, Connor, you have to come see this. They go into this underground bunker and find the time machine. They don't really know what it is. They find uh, a damaged Terminator down there. And basically through some kind of electric torture, they get the Terminator to tell them what the device is. And it explains to them what we all know. The Terminators knew they were about to lose the battle. They created this time machine and they have sent someone, they've sent a Terminator back to turn tide way in the past before any of this happens. Uh, From here, we kind of jump into a remake of the original film. But what happens is, you know, Connor sends the Reese back and says, you have to go prevent this Terminator from, you know, doing what it's going to do. Because he's not coming back immediately after the Terminator, when he arrives in the present day, he's lost, doesn't know quite where he is, and he's instantly arrested because he's just this crazy guy that's babbling about the future and everything. Listen and understand that Terminator is out there. It can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. It doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear, and it absolutely will not stop. Ever. Now we cut back to the Connors, and we see John Connor's dad, you know, at work at Skynet, and he's starting to be kind of feel, he has these apprehensions about what's about to happen with the program, and as he goes to his superiors to try and stop it, he actually sees someone that he feels like maybe tampering with some of the, the machinery there. He goes to confront him, a scuffle ensues, and as he reaches up to fight this guy, he kind of tears at his flesh, and some of the flesh turns off, tears off. And he realizes this is the Terminator that's been sent back. This Terminator kills John Connor's father, right here. And now it proceeds to go after Sarah and John. This turns into kind of a huge, you know, we'll have some action scenes where it's going after them, attacking them. This gets on the news. Kyle in jail sees this on the news, is able to get out of jail, goes to them, tells them he's here to protect them. And from this point on, it's kind of a standard, you know, slightly accelerated remake of the original film. So that's my general idea. I haven't quite come up with all the, the beats of the finale. But my thinking of this was one of the things I liked about the Rob Zombie Halloween remake was how he took the original Halloween and just kind of put it as an accelerated remake in the final 20 minutes of his other the, the other ideas he had. And that's kind of what I'm going for here. But in also giving you kind of everything you want to see as a Terminator fan. 
it's it, that's interesting there's there's definitely some some cool stuff in there you know um like you said the uh the the idea of the accelerated remake like that's it's kind of a cool thing like it's going to be uh, tough to match the pacing of a giant war ending yes, with that's, then a slower more plotting methodical hunter killer mythology yeah that's kind of the that's I, I i recognize that as the kind of like risky dare of this film right yeah to be to be that jarring um and it's something that i in my head i was very aware of and thought well i the only way i can defend it is that if you're the terminator fans who are coming to see it like i said it's kind of giving them everything they want to see the one of the, the one of the ways i thought about trying to work with that because i had a feeling you guys might bring that up was go and see my problem with this is I'm instantly contradicting myself where I'm talking about the time travel aspect, you know, sometimes bothering me. But if you could actually intercut between the present day and the and the future and show how what's happening in the present is actually affecting the war in the future, oh, that almost that's a little corny to me. But I don't know. I I maybe that would be better for pacing purposes. That's almost one thing I was going to kind of ask you about, like, like if if. You know, if if we're starting with the premise that John Connor is the father of someone who's not John, who's not Kyle Reese. Now, were you saying when when the Terminator goes back in time, is it to kill John or is it to kill? It's to kill Sarah, right? Yeah. Well, I would just in this, it's like trying to wipe out the family. Okay. Okay. So John's already born. Yeah. The end. The end. Okay. Yes, he is. Because at this one, I thought it might be more. It might be more interesting if Kyle's protecting her and John. Because I, you know, I was kind of, I was kind of thinking like it'd be interesting if you had somehow showed like John Connor change in the future, the instant the Terminator goes back or something, and have it be like, well, he went from being, you know, this guy's son to that guy's son type of thing. But uh, yeah, that might be cool too. I mean, the, kind of the reason I positioned his dad as like uh, actually working at Skynet was the idea. Cyberdyne. Now we learn the right? reason. Cyberdyne. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, the sorry, I'm not a huge Terminator nerd, guys. But uh, the, I just thought it'd be interesting to reveal that the reason John Connor kind of rose to the position he's in and became the hero of the war is trying to atone for his family's role in it. So maybe like the cuts back and forth actually progress his stance in the military. So like at first it's like Private Connor, get over here, and then later it's like you know, you know, Colonel or General, what do you want to do? What do you recommend? Yeah, you could do something like that. I mean, in my the part, I mean, in my head, the reason I also have it set at the end of the war is something that's always bothered me about the general. And again, this is the kind of thing you just have to accept and go along with if you're going to be a Terminator fan. But part of the problem with the Terminator films is the Terminators are sending Terminators back in time to kill, you know, either Sarah Connor or John Connor. But the fact that John Connor is in the future with them proves already that that mission <laughs> did not work. So it kind of feels to me like it has to be revealed as like. They've just lost the war, and this is just a last-ditch effort. Um, not that that really takes that problem away, but it still makes it a little bit more plausible to me than... I mean, like, one of the things about your pitch, Rob, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I, I liked elements of your pitch, but... So if they sent a T-1000 back, you know, to attack Sarah right after the events of the first Terminator, what are they doing in the future? Are they just assuming it didn't work and going, you know, it's been a couple days and everything seems the same, let's send another one back? Well, that's that's where the... Um, that's where the the flashes come into play with Reese. That's right. that's why that's why I ended up down that road. Is I was like, well, then how do you justify like, you know, how do you justify the fact that the Terminators are learning, but the people aren't learning? Well, it's because no one from the future is in the past. Right. Only only Terminators are in the past, and that's why it would be. I, I thought it would be neat to play with that idea of trying to see the trying to see the past changing kind of, or trying to see the future changing in the past through someone that has lived there trying to see how what the actual effects are of these changes because you know by by terminator 3 you know at a certain point what are they like what are they doing do they just have like one time machine and they're like all right you go now everybody wait 20 minutes yeah all right that didn't work all right now you go <laughs> you know like it, you know, at a certain point, it, all of all of our pitches, unless, I, 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 you know, unless maybe Tom's got something sneaky up his sleeve, we're, we're all going to suffer from that 
Well, before we move on to yours, what do you guys think of this? Like, this is something that just occurred to me. Um, if I wanted to make it a more traditional remake, but still keep a lot of the same beats that I was just talking about, what if... Um, God, now I'm trying to think of how this would work in my head. What if there is no father character at the beginning and it is just Sarah, but I actually just have a Sarah working at Skynet and reveal that in this reality, Sarah Connor actually worked, or I sorry, at Cyberdyne, worked at Cyberdyne. And again, you could say like, well, that's why later John became the hero in the war is that he was trying to atone for his actual family's involvement in this. And then you could actually still do the Kyrie's comes back and turns out to be his dad. You could still keep that paradox element alive. Do you think fans would just kind of to completely rebel against giving Sarah that different of a role in a new, you know, reboot of it? To push it one step further, what if Kyle Reese has to make the decision of Sarah Connor's the reason Skynet go? Also, the mother of John Connor, and so Kyle Reese has to let her live or to let her die. Yeah, I mean, you know what's interesting about that and what, about what I've just change it to is that i always found one of the more interesting characters in the whole franchise to be is his name miles dyson in the second one yes yeah I mean, imagine, imagine finding out that your work is what's later responsible, you know, yeah. for the, you know, complete destruction of the earth. And that's something that could be extrapolated more. And if you put that duality into Sarah, finding out that something you've done is responsible for the destruction, but your son is also the savior, that could be, that could make for a really interesting, you know, character. Definitely. I mean, that, you know. Yeah, I like that. I, I like that you pulled in a Dyson character. That's something that I, I mean, obviously, in my movie, I was trying to keep the rest of the canon, but, I, you know, I, I kind of tried to get rid of as much as I could, and that Dyson character, you're right, is a great, he's, he's, he brings a great per- perspective. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, Jelly, how, what's your take on all this? Yeah. Well, I think it's it's a well documented fact um, via our our argument about the series on second run that I'm I'm not a fan of where this series has gone. <sighs> I I am I am not a fan of of it having become almost a straight up action series instead of being uh, a more horror sci fi driven type of thing. Um, and that's just preference. That's just me. But um, I, I'm my pitch is askew, 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 whatever. <laughs> everything, everything you know or care about the Terminator series almost entirely. Uh, we're not in L.A. We're in I don't really care Miami, Seattle, uh, New York, whatever, Chicago, Houston, um, and it's before the war. It's you're fo- we're focusing on a, on a character now, and um, maybe we call this character Kyle Reese's dad. For I I actually think this this would be an interesting way to go. It's like Kyle, you know, it's Bill Reese. I don't I don't care what his name is. Um, and uh, Coleman the, the Reese. <laughs> Coleman, if Coleman Reese isn't dead by the end of this movie, <laughs> I'll blow up a hospital. Um, (laughs) no, it's, um, whatever it is, but, uh, it's before the war and, you know, everyone's sitting around looking, Hey, a, uh, uh, an artificial intelligence is about to be brought online. You know, the the world's first artificial intelligence, uh, defense system, uh, known as Skynet. It's going to make, you know, the United States safer and all this stuff. And then boom, blinding flash of light. And we kind of do a bit of a jump cut to the wasteland. Um, and it, this is much more aesthetically the wasteland of the 1980 Terminator movie that was teased to us for for I think was it teased at all in in part two I'm not sure if they had 
any scenes in the future really in part two but it, this is the the the, the dark the the very dark very dilapidated um you know ash in the streets um it's the same aesthetic as as what we've always seen it's it's not well lit for example uh which was one thing that always bugged me about terminator salvation and um the machines have come up and, and basically said, listen, we'll, we'll uh, allow humans to live as long as they serve us. You know, you guys have to serve us. You have to uh, service us. You have to build our factories. You have to uh, manufacture our machines. You have to keep our lines going and everything. And humans are agreeing, but, you know, obviously the, the machines are just using us until they get everything they need to become fully automated and, you know, until we build the machines that can repair the machines and that kind of stuff. And they're going to start the genocide, and, and they already are in some places. And so we have this this uh, team of uprising people, and this is just, it's a, uh, a more uh, sci-fi horror-driven story. It's your... your really up playing the genocide of humanity um and we're following this uh joe reese character or whatever his name is and he's you know he's helping the machines at first because he wants to protect his life and the life of his of his pregnant wife um and they're just trying to survive and he says this is our our best chance our best way to to try and survive this and it's not you know and then uh, he kind of runs afoul of this uh this uprising group and they're like, no, listen, this is we've already seen this happen in other places. We've we've seen that they're just going to turn on you as soon as you get everything up and running. And um, you know that that's kind of the story we're telling here. Uh, I think it would kind of play up towards a Terminator being revealed towards the end of the movie, uh, a true Terminator. You know, uh, throughout Kyle Reese's original stories, he says, oh, the the ones with the rubber skin or whatever, we could spot them easily. Uh, and you have a few of those pop up here and there, and it, it kind of plays into the end of the movie, uh, a true Terminator popping up in the climax, you know, one of the one of the T-800 or whatever. Are they T-800s? Whatever. I think so. The, the yeah. model that uh, that has the you know the the cybernetic organism popping up and um, probably killing Reese's dad and uh, the mom is able to get away. Uh, she gives birth to her son and and uh, this this group at the very end is kind of like well we're we're going to L.A. you know type of thing. So I just think my idea like my very broad very broad strokes idea is to bring it back to being like a really gruesome kind of. Uh, playing up the genocide of humanity in the future type of thing. Yeah, I'm not opposed to that. They're, um, that's, I'm actually surprised that's not the pitch I expected from you. Yeah, I agree. I, I did not expect that. Uh, whenever I hear you talk about how the only Terminator film you really love is the first one, I guess I was just assuming uh, that your pitch would be more, more like kind of slasher-driven like the first film is a little bit. So I like the early least incorporating, you know, the more of the heavy sci-fi of the sequels, but just kind of trying to remove the action element from it. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, there's still, you know, there's still action scenes within this type of a right type of a conversation, but uh, it's it's less of a an action fest and more of a, you know, more of a story about the the struggle of humanity in this desolate future, um, because that's really one of my absolute favorite moments in the. Uh, in the first movie is when Reese is having his flashbacks and, you know, he's walking through and kids are popping around the corner and, and going, pew, 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 you know, like shooting them and kind of just showing like humanity trying to survive in this terrible world that's been created. It's in your nature to destroy yourselves. Yeah. Major drag, huh? I like it. Yeah, actually, uh, um, I like it with, one of the things that I really wanted to do with this series was find a way to sidestep out of it and kind of like free myself from a lot of the things that the sequels kind of like fall into. And that's what you did a a much better job of in your movie by not only taking them by, by not only making the, the story go further away in location, but in a couple different generations of characters I like that idea. Um, the the question I would ask is like listening to your entire pitch. Um, it sounds really interesting. It sounds like a movie I'd watch. It also sounds like it could just as easily be a Matrix prequel. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so I guess my question to you is like, what's the what? But well, I mean, you said something about how bringing the T800s in at the end. Have you thought about like how to really get? You know, what's the Terminator element of this even more so than than it just I, being I think a you know, it is building up the, you know, the humans are building the factories, so they're actually building the the hunter killers and the, uh, is that what the planes are called too? Yeah, are the planes also hunter called? Killers. Okay, so it's actually building the hunter killers, it's it's building the, the factories that, that turn out the exos, or the, I guess they're endoskeletons, um, you know, in secret maybe Skynet is planning to, to build the cybernetic organisms that like humanity doesn't even really know about that, but like I don't really give a shit about explain that but like the terminator element is then uh reese and his wife kind of kind of falling in with this group of um these rebels i guess you'll we'll call them and you know running from hunter killers and running from the the t-800 endoskeletons and then and that kind of thing that that's like the the more terminator i guess you know trying to you know the seeing the rubber models trying to infiltrate their group and having like moderate success at times you know where like as long as they're wearing like a a heavy coat or something and wearing a hood you can't really tell if it's them so then you know they start implementing you know you have to lift up your your hood type of inspections and that's how we get like a precursor even to the dogs um you know because people wouldn't at this point people don't know like dogs are going to be the ones that spot the terminators for us so um and you could even have at the very end of the you know when this when this t800 pops up at the end um have it you know like have there be a dog nearby have this dog going crazy at this guy for a while and everyone's like shut up like why does this dog hate you so much you know and then that's when the terminator strikes but yeah, the, the Terminator element would be kind of like yeah, the this group of rebels um, running from like hunter killers and trying to survive at night and that. And I'm sure you'd have a, a main character in that who's like, there's you know there's four or five of them or whatever that want to get to L.A. because they hear that's where uh, the strongest pocket of human resistance is, and they want to go join up with them. And whoever the main character of these rebels or whatever is is like, listen, we got to get more people. We can't just show up with five people and expect to make any impact on these thousands of machines or whatever. Or even if they don't really hear about a resistance, they know that that's where Skynet originated is, you know, in Silicon Valley or whatever, and that's where they're trying to go. And they're like, we can't do that with five people, so... It's it's it is less of a of a um, Terminator infiltrating people movie and more of a people running and hiding uh, in the leftovers of society. It's tough to imagine, and maybe it's just because the the all of the movies dealt with it. But it is tough for me to think of a Terminator movie. That doesn't involve some sort of reference to time travel. Right? I mean, we all know how that story is going to end, right? We we all know. Well, that's kind of, I mean, yeah. Time travel is the and only that... way you can really work your way out of the known. Well, I mean, Terminator 4 didn't really deal with time travel. Oh, that's true. That was that was kind of my thought, you know. And I, I don't know exactly how it would all come together, you know. Cause these are pitches; these aren't like uh, story treatments, you know. Um, it is a little bit hard to think of how it would go in terms of, like you said, we know how that story is going to end, type of thing. Uh, we know that ultimately humanity is going to rise up and and fight back. But that was kind of my idea in changing the location, mm. you know. Is like maybe we don't know, like maybe. Uh, and, and hell, it wouldn't even necessarily have to be a Reese that's involved, or it could be like that, um, you know, we never learn his last name until the very end of the movie when he says it's Reese. And so throughout the, you know, the rest of the movie, you're like, oh, is this guy going to live or not? Um, or is the wife, whatever, is everyone who's in peril going to live or not? But like to kind of take it away from this place where we know that John Connor winds up leading everyone to fight back and winds up winning, you know, to take it to a place like Chicago or Miami or New York or Dallas or mm -hmm. Houston, where like maybe the machines end up wiping everyone out in that in that area, mm -hmm. you know. That was kind of the idea any of the head hurdy parts of the time travel though too by omitting it <laughs> yeah i just 
you know, I think I think when we whenever we're like, oh, we always wanted to see a movie set in the future. I don't think I was like, oh, I want to see a movie set in the future where everyone starts traveling back through time. Like, I wanted to. I've always wanted to see a Terminator movie set in its future because I think that's wildly interesting. And if at the end of the movie, or if or if you want to tease that it's going to ultimately go towards a more time travely place, like that's fine. But like, I just think let's askew it for for a movie like let's try something different because i don't know terminator 4 didn't terminator salvation just didn't work for me especially for everyone <laughs> and and well, you know we, it's well it's well documented that i don't really love 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 terminator 2 so i don't really love the yeah the you're time an travel-y. idiot Thank you, Trevor. Yeah, well, Thank you. one of the things one of the things it's interesting that neither one of you um, resolved in either one of your pitches is is something that has been a plot hole in the entire series of Kyle Reese at the at in the first movie says they blew it up like I he went back I went back they blew it up so how did yeah, other things I, go back be beyond that plot hole is the overall the overall reality that how do the terminators know to send someone back like you, you know what i mean like how do, how are, where's their feedback loop so like how do they know that their experiment doesn't work to try it again exactly that's what i was saying like that makes no sense and also yeah. why why would you pick why pick sarah connor why not go back to like the 1800s and pick an one of his you know one of their ancestors in a time period where it would be really easy to get at them you know with yeah. like no defense i mean i'm not going to cherry pick one line from a movie that had a low budget and wasn't really intended to have sequels i mean that's life man they they wanted to make a sequel so they omitted that that that's uh, in my opinion that's like a that's a nitpicky ticky tacky thing to pick on when in all reality, what seems to have happened was the Terminators were, like I said, in the future, like, all right, let him go. Give him 20 minutes. All right, send the next guy. And, you know, like. Well, and like I said, the entire film is built on a paradox that makes no sense. I mean, yeah. you can pull this time as a circle crap all you want, but at some point there had to be an original timeline. And in that timeline, who the hell was John Connor's dad? It could not have been Kyle Reese. So, I mean, you just have, if you can accept that, I think you can deal with any other crap the series throws at you. And how does Reese know they blew it up if Reese went through it? Well, I mean, that's the plan, right? So, well, so he just thinks know, they did, but they, he was wrong. Right, so, like, I don't know, it's just, it's just interesting. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I saw him blow it up, and then I jumped in, and time traveled back. It's, it's just interesting to me that, like, that neither one of you guys chose to address that at all. You know what I mean? It'd be something that you could address in, in uh, any I'm glad continuation. I didn't. I'm glad I didn't address it, because who cares? <laughs> I'm glad Trev didn't address it either. Go, good job, Trev. You know, oh, well, one that's... of the, yeah, one of the other things I was, I one of the things about, you know, not to to go too long, but one of the things I always thought was interesting about T three was the notion that the mission, the mission is go kill John Connor, but like that's not the only mission that these things have. You know, like yeah, kill John Connor, but also kill his generals, also kill his his wife also killed like anybody who you know who helped him you know like that's well, that's, that's one of my problem with the that's a big problem with the terminator films too also right is like this idea and i i was guilty of it in my pitch but so the terminators have this plan to just go back and make sure jen connor never gets born but what is why do they assume that someone else wouldn't just become the leader of the resistance <laughs> i mean uh, it almost feels like if they're going back in time it should be for some kind of bigger goal than just killing one person because that's never going to like solve anything i don't think so john connor was... dies and suddenly his second in command is the guy who leads the resistance who cares good going you just wasted a time travel trip that was also where where my idea kind of bore out of is like but it, it, it's it's tough to do it without like some sort of uh antagonistic human group but like the the notion that humanity does get lulled into servitude and slavery and pushes themselves to the brink of extinction and you need to see john connor be the one to be like listen we gotta fight back like we can't not fight you know so it's 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 kind of um i don't know that, that it's a it's a tough thing to, to work your way around but i think it's yeah. uh it's one I wouldn't. I also wouldn't mind seeing the movies try and try and handle if it could do it right. 
Well, it's interesting. Is am I correct in thinking that in theory all three of our movies could get made and still be easily part of the canon? I think they could. I think so. <laughs> that's, that's that's how messed up this franchise is. That all of these could still work. Um, I, and I also say that I think all three of ours were really interesting, but perhaps not as interesting as a pitch I saw online from someone else who postulated uh, a Terminator film where a Terminator is sent back into time, gets lost in time, and becomes Jack the Ripper. And the reason <laughs> he's killing... <laughs> and the reason... The reason he's killing the prostitutes is because he's trying to. He just doesn't know who's the right one to kill. Uh, yeah, so there. None of us pitched that, so that's something. So before he kills each prostitute, he says, "Are you Serakana?" Serakana. Yes. Are you Sarah Connor's great 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 grandmother? <laughs> so he only kills prostitutes whose last name are Connor. Yeah, well, I guess maybe his programming gets got fried too. <laughs> What's interesting though is that we did none of us pitched a um, none of us pitched a good Terminator, you know. So I mean, as much as uh, you know, Rob and I like the sequel. It did look like we all kind of wanted to return to having the Terminators be just the villains of the piece and, and have the humans be our heroes again. Well, the good Terminators... I, I don't know. My problem with the good Terminator is I like that the second one has a good Terminator. I love the like the yin and yang of one and two where you know, yes, there's the bad I, guy in one and then the good guy in the second one. I love that twist. I, com- I completely agree. And then they should have been done with it. Yeah, and and then yeah. they ran with it too hard, and you just and maybe it is because they kind of broke the rule of making him a comedic figure in the third one, but uh, it just you know it it didn't sync well with me that they continue to have this good Terminator basically bailing their asses out of every situation. Yeah, he's a good Terminator in this. Well, he's a he's a comedic piece in the second one. That's not one of my issues. Third, no, he definitely he doesn't spot off. Sh- Talk He's to only the hand a while wearing Delton uh, oh, John sunglasses. Talk to the hand. Are we really going to do this? He's only a comedic figure in that he is comedic with the kid who needs him. Because the theme in the first one is that love between Sarah and Reese is what overcomes the Terminator. And the theme in the second one is that the love of the boy for the Terminator as his father figure is what overcomes the T-1000. It's the same thought in both of them. And so a kid needs the Terminator to be slightly more goofy. A kid can't handle a constantly serious, like, death looming over him the whole time. I mean, that's just the theme, right? Isn't that the, the theme of the first two? And he's not being goofy in the movie either. Like, the humor is coming from his reactions to things that where he's just so stoic, you know, in, re- in reaction to something. Or, you know, it's not like he's, you're right, like you said, he's not putting on goofy sunglasses and saying, talk to the hand in the second one. You close. Talk to the hand. Now. Yeah. So there. I'm gonna. I'm gonna yeah. I'll, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna let a lot of that lie since we want to keep it relatively brief around this show. You're just That's gonna true. admit you're wrong because you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all the Hollywood producers who are listening, I believe all three of us are available. If you do want to hire us to write the next one, mm-hmm. assuming you know. Let's just assume Genesis afterwards. Everyone be like, "Whoops, we need to reboot again." Uh, <laughs> you know, we're here. We're here for you guys. In uh, in my contract, though, I always request a uh, change of ownership clause: four million dollars if uh, the ownership of the company <laughs> changes. Straight to my pocket. I'll undercut you. I'll say I only need two million, so I'm a better hire than than Rob. Damn it! And I'll fly up your ass if the money's right. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, All right, well, since we're at the end of the first episode, um, do you guys want to throw some other series or ideas out there of stuff we want to do sequels to? Ooh. Oh, you mean like upcoming, like list? preview upcoming franchise? Yeah, I mean, just because it's the first episode, not maybe. maybe we we have thing. a li- I have a list. Let me uh, let me pop that list out. Want me to throw yeah. some of my names at you? Let me I let mean, me just got, rip, let me just we've whip got this so out. many. <laughs> so, just so in my f- list alone. 
I've got well, Evil here. Dead, Friday yep. the 13th, Bond, yep. Yep. Pacific Rim, Scott Pilgrim. Yep. You have Ooh, Scott Pilgrim? We that one. No, we didn't. We did not discuss There's that. There's no one. part of me that wants to see a Skeptic. But that being said, I would I would pitch a sequel because I will sell out in a moment. <laughs> I would like to pitch the room sequels at some point. <laughs> so here, here's and here's of course leopard. Here's some of the ones we have uh, we have tossed around. Uh, coming up in in episode two already is is going to be Batman. Um, but we have discussed Star Trek, Exorcist, Alien, RoboCop, Superman, James Bond, Star Wars, Ghostbusters, Jaws, 28 Days Later, Pirates of the Caribbean, Monster Squad, Highlander, Critters, Reanimator, Hellraiser, uh, Hellboy. Watch Hellraiser. Hellboy, no, Predator. Pitch it, without, the... pitch it without seeing it. <laughs> okay, that's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> Tremors, Zombieland, Transformers, Snake Plissken, Spider-Man, TMNT, Goonies, Nightbreed. I mean, there's there's so many franchises or franchise starters or uh, series ideas out there to to run with. That um, as as long as this show is decently received, we could be doing this for a while. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for uh, thanks everyone for listening to the first episode. Hopefully. Um... The you first know, episode of, of Untitled Pitch Project. Yeah, whatever it says on your player right now, that's what we ended up calling it. But we're going with Untitled Pitch Project as we record. Um, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, if you enjoyed this, let us know what kind of Terminator film you'd like to see. You know, hit us up on, you know, Facebook or wherever. Um, I'm sure we'll attach some kind of social media to this at some point. And uh, just, uh, like I said, we'll be back next time with Batman. Because God knows... You know, it's not like they need to, to, us to tell them to make another Batman film. We're obviously going to get a hundred more before I die, so we, we might as well start throwing out some ideas. You guys got any like plugs or anything for other shows before we head out? Or um, no, it's tough to know exactly when we're going to release this. So, uh, you know, second run um, this season, we're doing uh, the the gimmick is a new. Uh, a new what do you call it a new segment on every single episode now we're not going to be it's not like every single episode is going to just add a segment and by the end we're going to be doing like a 15 hour show um but it's every episode we're going to debut a, a brand new segment um so whether that segment is uh one where we plan on reviewing movies in only question form or one where one of us watches one half of the movie and the other one watches the other half of a movie and we try to piece together a review, or whether we start actually reviewing porn, um, there's going to be a new segment debuted on every episode of Second Run this season. So that's the uh, that's the draw to get you into Second Run for this year. I feel like as one of the three listeners, I can proudly say, speak on their behalf and say, oh, that sounds okay. <laughs> Uh, for me, I just remind everyone to listen to uh, If It Bleeds, We Can Kill It. Uh, however, infrequently released episodes, we're still going. Uh, you know, well, I'm sure we'll get at least six episodes out this year. And <laughs> I've also recently started a brand new X-Men themed podcast yes! called it Days of Future Podcast, uh, which will be a biweekly uh, discussion of all things X-Men. We're not really... You know, a lot of other X-Men podcasts review particular story arcs, and that's kind of all they do. We're going for just more of the weird things that pop into our head while we think about X-Men. So wondering like, what the X-Men would be like in the real world. What's the deal with why their costumes are so dumb? Um, you know, who are the worst characters? What story arcs really annoyed us? You know, and uh, which X-Men would be the best hockey player? You know, <laughs> just dumb things like that <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be examining. I, for one, would just like to say Night that I'm actually really excited for that podcast. As for myself, uh, I am currently working on a new podcast, so I will probably have more information for that in our third episode. But we're getting together this weekend to uh, to hammer out the details. It's probably going to be a generic podcast between me and my friend, Cool Hand. We'll see how it goes. All so right, be on cool. the lookout for Rob's generic podcast. <laughs> yep. <laughs> For all you, and it'll, it'll fit nicely next to Untitled Pitch Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
We should call it slow pitch. Oh. Oh. Hmm. Well, on that note, maybe... <laughs> <laughs> I had a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Once Rob has a good idea, the show's over. That's the that's the rule. <laughs> we can't let his head get too big. So we'll call it quits for this week. Uh, we'll see you next time for Batman. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.